0: When people think of the future, when people think of the future, they think technology. Tech, tech, tech. Take a drive through town. What do you see? You don't see tech, do you? This is the On Grade Podcast. This show is about construction and the people who make it happen. Whether you want to start your own business, grow your business, or learn more about construction, we'll have on the pros from business owners to industry leaders you'll hear about new equipment building a company and growing your business and how the construction industry is changing let's do it this is the on grade podcast now here are your hosts brandon wineline and devon boudreau
1: Hey everybody, welcome to On Grade. This is episode 19. I am Brandon Weinline, and I got my co-host Mr. Devin Boudreau in studio. What's going on guys? And we have a special guest for you guys tonight. His name is Ryan Killensworth. How you doing Ryan? Good, good. Glad to be here. So Ryan is an estimator. He works for an excavation, so just a heavy civil contractor in New Mexico, but he actually lives over here in Texas. So you actually work remote. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself though.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I work for uh, Franklin's Earth Moving in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, Like you said, I work remotely for them. And just my background, I I tell people I kind of Forrest Gumped my way into being an estimator. I got a college degree in communication, got out of college in 2008. So right during the recession, no one's hiring. Pretty much a degree that I couldn't do a whole lot with. So I got a job working retail, bounced around a couple of companies, ended up at a company that sold surveying equipment and construction lasers and stuff like that. I was working there kind of just as a low level sales guy, I worked my way up to outside sales, trying to sell the construction companies. I walked into a contractor. He kind of just started up his company. He was just trying to figure it out. He lost his estimator and he said, uh, I was showing him some software and a bunch of different solutions we had. And he's like... You want to work for a construction company and i was kind of at a dead end of that company so i just kind of went for it and uh <laughs> just kind of on the job training figuring out i was like went getting chewed out for not knowing anything and i mean you you know how it goes so. drinking from a fire hose <laughs> exactly so uh started doing takeoffs for him and i guess he saw something in me and started having me do estimates and just working working my way up there and then moved to the company I'm at now and been there for, for seven going on eight years. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yep. Well we were talking before the, the show, you were saying that your company that you're at now was a uh, kind of like mine and Devin's that they started out as smaller mom and pop company. And it's grown to the size that it is now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I, I listened to several of your other podcasts and it seems like you guys really have a passion for people that have like you that have just, just getting started and and trying to build something, and really the company I work for is kind of, kind of the end result of that company that was a mom and pop, you know, started in the fifties, just a a guy with a, a loader, you know, just building small house pads and things like that, and and now it's in in the Albuquerque area. Um, it's it's one of the largest civil companies. You know, if they want a job, they can go get it. That's awesome. They they, they, they do grading, they do utilities, concrete, asphalt, and really just uh. I guess it should just be encouraging to all of you guys out there, you know, in the trenches trying to start your company. That if you can really build
1: something that has a legacy, you
3: yeah. know, it's time in man, everything starts at the same spot. You got to start somewhere. It's like growing right. a tree,
1: right? Yeah, it's crazy actually. Around here, there there's actually not that many companies that started forty or fifty years ago around anymore. Um, there's a couple left, but um, you know, you talk to the old school guys like Robert. <clears throat> He'll name companies off sometimes to me and I'm like, What company's that? He's like, Oh, well, they went out in seventy eight, you know, or they went out in eighty <laughs> five. I'm, <like, laughs> I'm like, dude, I never even heard of that company, you know, but it's crazy. There's there there are a few left around here, but like, you know, if you go in smaller areas, I notice that those companies seem to last a lot longer. But when you're in a big market like here in DFW. It's just, it's so dang cutthroat. It's hard. Right. It's hard for the next generation to build that company to where, say, their parents built it or grandparents.
3: Yeah, it's definitely, it's interesting to see the dynamic in different cities, different
2: areas, different locations.
3: Right. How big is Albuquerque? How many people in Albuquerque? It's like, I don't know exactly. Million, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. And all the surrounding areas, It's it can't be more than two or three
3: million. Yeah. So, yeah. But there's probably a couple other bigger outfits there too as oh, well. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like for anything. Sure. But, right. So you got into estimating, by default and just kind of learned it on the job. What were you doing at the time? Was it all like old school prints and by hand
2: or were you using software back then or? Well, that contractor that hired me, he'd lost his estimator and he was using ag tech. Okay. He's like, I got this ag tech software. seems like you're, you're pretty good with technology and pretty good with software. Yeah. You want to like figure out how to use this? Cause I bought this key. I have no idea how to use it. <laughs> and so he That'd brought me, me. On. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he brought me on and he's like, you know, here's the training videos and figure it out, you know? So I just kind of dove in with both feet and, and figured out how to do that. And he had this old crotchety estimator that, uh, he was supposed to train me and I couldn't get more than four or five words out of that guy. So I just bugged the crap out of him, asking him a million questions. <laughs> and I just bug him until he'd tell me how to bit a drop and lid or, you know, things like that. And it was definitely an uphill battle learning underneath those guys, but man, I, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, no, it's one of those. It's those are. That's
3: it's hard in the time, but it's always the best education. You know, for and that's, sure, in the long run, it always pays off the most when you gotta f- actually work at it at that hard. And it's not easy to do it. That's when you really retain knowledge.
1: I find right for sure the best lessons in life are learned by getting your teeth kicked down. Unfortunately, I mean, we've all we've all bid that one job that we thought uh, I didn't miss anything. You get out there and all of a sudden they're like, didn't you see on section C of plan AC five? You're like, I didn't see that note. And all of a sudden you're on the hook for, (laughs) right, you know, three or 400 grand worth of work that you didn't even know you had it on the bid. And it's like, Oh my God.
2: I remember one of the first jobs I picked up, you know, that company did some concrete flat work. So concrete flat work is pretty easy to estimate. Like square footage, measure, measure the curb, measure the sidewalk. And so I was so excited because we got a contract and I go into the boss, the owner of the company. I'm like, Hey, we got this job. He's like, did you talk to them? Did they call you? No, he just, he just said we got it. <laughs> Red I flag. I didn't talk to him either. And he's like, what, what's on the job? Sidewalk and curb and gutter. And he's like, well, I can't wait to see what you missed because <laughs> I mean, flatware concrete it's like oh yeah it's so cheap it's so cheap cuz it's pretty you know the material you can easily figure it out like everybody's really dialed Tight, in, yeah. dialed in on the cost you know um and companies that just do that they don't have a whole lot of overhead and so um sure enough i'd missed something in the specs it was like fiber reinforced concrete or something so that was a hard pill to swallow you know Tough, tough, tough lesson. Well, you've done this too, but like for me, it's when I miss something on an
3: estimate or a takeoff. It's like, like you know, you 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 hate yourself for it at the same time, but it's like at least it's my screw up. And yeah, thinking about that on the other side, where you're doing it for somebody else, I'd be like, holy.
1: Yeah, it's always the best. When um, a couple months ago, Pete was really slammed, and he's like, "Hey, go on the share drive. There's like two jobs I need you to bid." and i'm like all right he's like don't fucking send them until i look them over <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like all right so i i do them on on our our bidding software and uh he calls me i don't know it was like the next day he calls me he's like i was out in the field at a meeting or for a pre-con or something and he's like hey i'm really glad i looked this over and i'm like why he's like Yeah, you took that one moisture conditioning number, but you didn't see the other one that I had in there. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, there's four pads, bro. You only bid one pad. (laughs) And I'm like, no shit? He's like, yeah. He's like, the bid was like 400 grand less than it should have been. I was like, ooh. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing estimating dirt jobs for five or six years now. I mean, I still miss stuff, but I don't do it every day anymore. So, it's like... It's like I'm, anything you do. Yeah, I miss stuff when I'm not. If I'm doing it all day, every day, yeah, I'm way less likely to miss something. But, like, I can just get the notes they give me so that we use a little Excel spreadsheet. So, you know, it has everything on it. You know, what we're doing, how much cut fill, all that stuff. So it's like, I'm not going to miss it. And I just didn't see that he had had it in another part of the of the sheet where it said that there was three pads instead, or four pads instead of one. So it was just, oh, yeah. I mean, honest mistake. Thank God he caught it. <laughs>
3: i've never used AgTech at all personally how intuitive is it like is it really one of those things that anyone could kind of jump on and learn like what how long would you say the learning curve to really kind of to learn that would be so
2: like there's two there's two different there's ag tech for like doing material ta- like utilities and paving yep and then there's the grading side i know they kind of brought it under one umbrella now but the utilities and the paving that's pretty straightforward you know you just build your structure list you can you can go in and set it up where, like, it kicks out your materials too. Like, if you, let's say, on curb and gutter, if you wanted to tell you how many cubic yards you have for a certain type of curb and gutter, you can set that up where it'll kick out that volume of concrete. Like, and you can do a bunch of stuff like that. But just like for simple, if you just want to do a straightforward utility takeoff, a guy could probably be trained up to do that in a couple months. Be proficient. Yeah. Earthworks a different animal because you've got, you've got uh, stripping areas for, you know, your clear and grub, you got sectional areas to show how, how, like if for the paving areas to, to take it down to subgrade and, and then you got, there's, it's just a lot more layers to it. Exactly. Yeah. And it takes time to know how to get what you want out of the software, I guess. Yeah. So, and also if you don't do it right, let's say you, you put in one wrong elevation, you put in you have a spike Throws everything off. Yeah, you, you can be 10,000 cubic yards off. Oh, yeah. Just like that. <laughs> so you, you can get in trouble a lot faster on earthwork, on the on the grading takeoffs. Than the-
1: and that's when you get the phone call you don't want to get. And it's like, hey, man, uh, I got your bid, and you're 10,000 yards higher than everybody else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, everybody, rule of thumb on, you know, dirt work is, you know, everybody's multiplying trucking yards 1.4 to 1.6 you know so everybody's off on yardage between a thousand to fifteen hundred yards difference on every bid you're going to see a difference but like it's not going to be ten thousand you know you might see a plus or minus like you were just talking about earlier plus or minus a couple grand not tens of thousands of yards difference you know everybody's pretty close now i will tell you the engineers i don't know what software they use but my ag tech Always proves those guys wrong. Those guys, they will tell you that there's 6,000 yards of cut to fill out there, and you do a takeoff, and there's 26,000 yards of cut to fill out there. And the (laughs) GC's like, well, the engineer report. Oh, the engineer's an idiot. So I don't know if he's using some 2D CAD shit from, like, 1980, but ag tech, it's worth the money. I can't tell you enough. You buy the software, they give you the training. If you buy it, they give you, I think it's, what, three days, three hours of training, four Mm -hmm. hours of training? And they do it with you virtually. So you just put a drawing on there. And the guy from AgTech will actually do the takeoff with you. And he'll train you. And then on top of it, if you go to most excavation companies, somebody there has run it before most of the time. Most of your estimators in your estimating department run it. Like we run AgTech, but we also have Earthworks. We have that other software. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit cheaper. But I will tell you, we did a comparison on a job one time. We ran both. It was a couple hundred yards difference. There wasn't much off, so... know if you're getting started something like that wouldn't be bad like earthworks it's a little cheaper
3: yeah i I don't know you're gonna you're seeing we're seeing it steady like technology is really evolving in every industry but especially i think the dirt world you're seeing it a lot more because it's been so old for so long and now you're you're really kind of coming into it for the long time was only really the a lot of the bigger companies that were running all the software and I think gps is really going to change that a lot modeling and stuff so you can do modeling and everything through AgTech tech as well is that right or oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 so it's kind of all one stop shop one of those things
2: yeah i know we've got so we've got all the estimators can do earthwork takeoffs mm-hmm. and then we because we've got gps on all the equipment we have a guy that builds the grading models which are kind of a you can estimate off a grading model but like a good grading model takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Estimating just a model you need to get an estimate. You don't have to get all the curb points perfect. You don't have to get all the slope. You know what I mean? Like I've gone through and done like the perfect grading model takeoff and it, it takes a lot of extra time. Mm-hmm. And the percentage difference in the volume is like 2 or 3%. Yeah, it's not worth where the Where I could have done, you know, started on the next estimate, you know, so your turn on investment isn't huge, like getting that, that far down to the details. But then when they go to build it in the field, they need that model. So we've got a guy that does that. He flies our drone. He does all of that stuff. He's a He's got an engineering background. So he's our surveyor. He's an, over our surveying department as well. So that's kind of how we have that structured.
3: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah.
2: So like, I guess the biggest thing a lot of guys that
3: listen to this are smaller outfits, you know one, two, three, five guys, you know, small, they're not probably necessarily going to be going out and doing large scale projects, uh, majority of the time and stuff. What are tips and tricks, I guess you would say for estimating when you're looking at smaller stuff for smaller scale companies or guys that are kind of starting out in
2: it? What's some stuff that I guess you always really run the software more than anything, but. Well, I do, I do the estimates too. Um, so I know I've in listening to your, to your podcast, a lot of What you talked about is, you know, when you're bidding, let's say you're bidding to a GC and really who you're bidding against is that low bid idiot in town that is going to bid way below everybody else. That's who you're really up against, you know? Mm. So something that that I've done on my estimates that I always do, you know, I got to think like that guy. He's going to leave out everything that isn't explicitly in the plans. All that gray area stuff, like on, on utilities, something that comes to mind is like, roof drain connections i mean those are a huge pain in the butt Mm -hmm. you're always remobilizing for them if it's a big commercial job you put in your utilities up to five foot from the building and then you got to leave and then they put up the building he's got that superintendent's got has cranes around it he's got (laughs) scaffolding in your way he's like all the material (laughs) yeah you can come back and put in the roof drains on the east side of the building but that's it that's all i got room for you got to come back Later and do the rest of it three more times. Four more mobilizations. And so what I do is I don't put that in my base bid. I'm gonna put that in an alternate at the bottom. Now I've learned in the past I've excluded it. Well, these GCs, they get my bid. They don't they're not looking at what I've written. They're looking at the numbers. They're not gonna read all my exclusions, even if I highlight it and have it bold. Yeah, They'll miss it. Yeah, But if I put it as an alternate at the bottom Mm -hmm. with a big-ass number on it, like this is my price to come back and do your roof drains with seven mobilizations in it, then they're going to call me. Then I can have that conversation with them. Then I can really have, I can build their trust. You're educating the customer at that point. Exactly. We can talk about, and you know, why is it so expensive to do these roof drains? Because I know you're going to have a crane in my way. You know, and then we can talk about dirt. How did you see moving this dirt? Oh, well, I, I think I'm going to need to stockpile the, you know, when I, when I over-excavate or I get ready to moisture condition the pad. I'm going to, I'm hoping to put it over here. Does that work for you? You know, no, we can't put it there. Okay, well, I'm probably going to have to double handle a lot of it or something like that, right. you know. So the, all those conversations build trust, yep. right? And, and hopefully by doing that, when he gets that low bid, he's going to throw it out you know, cause he's yeah. already
3: had that conversation. And if he didn't think of all those things, you highlight them. Exactly. All of a sudden he's exactly. like, okay, this guy's going to get this done. This guy's going to be a headache.
2: Yeah. And uh, you know, hopefully in talking with him, I can say, you know, my goal on this project is that after the contract signed, you don't talk to me again. I don't talk to you again, unless there's a design change. Yeah. Cause neither of us have time for that. You're great, but I want you guys to go build this job. And and we don't have to have another conversation. That's my hope. Yeah. You know. Whereas that other guy, that low bidder, you're going to be talking to him all the time and fighting with him. You know. You're
3: so thirty six change orders and yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, change orders are
3: good sometimes because you're making money on them. But at exact, the same time, yeah. it just wreaks havoc on your schedule. And when you're stacked, right. it's just like I'm dealing with that now. Up at TI, we're working like there's so many design changes. It's daily, literally daily, and it's like. <laughs> How many change orders do you want to write a day? Because that's right. really what it comes down to. And then it, you can't even plan. You can't schedule. You can't book other stuff in because you don't know when you're going to end. It's just never, right, never ending.
1: And then it passes along to your next job that you already got contracted and you, you say to the client and it's like, hey, the reason I can't mobilize to your job is I just got a change order. So then they go, oh God, this guy looks for change orders. And it's like, no, this right. is a legitimate change order. Like they asked, they added scope to our work. So I had to ask for a change order. But caveat what you were just talking about with mobilization, something for these new guys uh, that I'd like to hit on real quick with mobilizations, especially in earthwork. Earthwork, you should only have two mobilizations. You should have your initial mob of come in, masquerade the damn thing, get everything as close as you can to grade, so Devin can come in there and tear it up and (laughs) leave piles of dirt everywhere. (laughs) And then when you come back, you should blue top, do your lime, and set all your dirt behind the forms while the guys are there still and then that way the concrete guy can just spread the dirt out that's behind the curbs for the backfill of the curbs in theory that's how it should work never happens we know this so i am on a job that i have remobilized to nine times and i always put in my contract that i'm only going to come back twice And I realized something that I was talking to my estimating team last week. And I says, hey, I don't think we're charging enough on our remobilizations. It's not incentivizing them enough to stop asking us to come back. So because the number we were using when most people would be like, oh, no, no, no. We'll get you in in and know, we don't want to pay that for you to come back. And this guy was just paying it. Every time, man, and my guys are calling me like, guys, like, I get it. This is money, but we can't go finish the other work we got coming up. Or we got new jobs starting where we could be using this machine to build way more money. Like, we need to talk about increasing our remote fees. So we just raised them, and we sent it in two or three bids since we've raised it. And two of the three of our clients that we've used over the years are like, you guys increased your prices a little bit. I see on some things. We're like, yeah. And they're like, what's that about? I'm like, well, trying to. Trying to get it so we got some machines freed up, so we're not constantly going back and doing work seven times.
2: Well, it's
3: it's a nightmare. It's a pain in the neck. Oh <clears> yeah. you can't
1: schedule and you can't
2: plan for it. No, right. And as for earthwork contractors, I know we can make money off change orders, but yeah. I feel like we never get all of it mm-hmm. because no. you've got we have when you have iron on a job, our daily cost is higher by a huge margin than any other subcontractor. Yep, and every minute that they're sitting there, they, make they could be on another job making money. Yep. So you have that lost time, which kind of goes unaccounted for in a change order, mm-hmm. you know, and then the um, day
3: or two days it takes to approve it. It's sitting, doing nothing.
2: Exactly. And yeah. then there's a the global impact on all your other jobs because I'm sure, I mean, when you've got that iron, it's going straight off that job to the next job. Mm-hmm. And so, Every minute that it's there, it's hurting that job, and it's hurting the, your relationship on the next job, mm-hmm. and then that's hurting the next job. So,
3: where you do like me and you mow the same piece two, three times in the same day at different sites. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
1: pretty gangster. actually. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mow Mo out on a Friday, work Saturday, Sunday, mow back in Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, well, I saw you, I saw you
1: over there helping me out on that rock wall job. He, uh, I actually got him to help me out. He, he can tell you. I called him. I says last week. I said. Hey bro, this is a great client of mine. I do a lot of their work. I can't get to it. Can you go in and do it for me? He said, Yeah, just send me their info. I sent him over the info, and the G. He can tell you the client was super happy that they're like, Hey, thank you for telling us you can't get here, and thank you for lining this up with him. And but that's because I trust him. I'm not going to call every dirt contractor I know in town and be like, Hey, can you come take care of this for me? You know, like you don't do that, but like if you got people you work with, yeah, but. That's my point. What we're just talking about. I couldn't even get back to them with a skid steer because all mine are so tied up on change order work or delays. And I mean, it's just, it's crazy right now. Right. I don't know. I think
3: to your point, making the MOVE chart is more expensive. It's going to help, or hopefully would help incentivize the GC to plan a little better too and to start clarifying things because, like, that's, I think a lot of this gets rushed. They get plans they get a bid they don't know necessarily they rush into it everyone shows up to site and then there's 17 things before you that should have been looked at months ago on the plans that never got caught or people bid it and don't highlight it and then it becomes a problem on this job and then it just the trickle-down effect is ridiculous it's kind of a whole the whole industry is backwards really a lot of stuff is done it really is funny but what do you see like with technology we're at this point now, you know, what do you see in five, 10 years? What, do you, what point do you think we're going to be at with the way stuff is
2: done? I think a big thing and it's becoming more affordable. It seems like every day is the drones. Yeah. I know you're saying, you know, a lot of the guys that listen to this are smaller outfits. Well, that, that drone technology is becoming more, more in reach for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of, I don't, work for anybody that sells drones so this is completely you can take my word for it <laughs> it is it's a game changer when it comes to like larger earthwork projects because like you, you know you're talking about that uh job you had where you had to haul out dirt and then turn it around and haul it back in well we had one like that so we hauled all the dirt out and then there's a same thing designer vision got to turn around and haul it back in you know and you guys have probably had this where you're arguing a change order with a general contractor, and you're getting that deer in the headlights look. Like, they don't, they just completely don't understand how it impacted you. They're just like, because they don't trust any subs, they're just like, you're just trying to take advantage of me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you've got that, in this case, we had the drone flight from when we started. So we got that topo. And then when they stopped work because the change came, we took another drone flight. So I could hand him, here is the cut fill map with the volume, this is how much we moved when we, when you told us to stop because the design was changing. And then I could take that design and compare it, or take that from where we stopped and compare it to the new design. Say so this is where we have to move to finish. Add those two numbers together, subtract our original quantity, that's your change order. There's no arguing with that really. Yeah, it you makes know. it very cut and dry. So on top of that, you got the aerial photography that a lot of these drones do, which is just like this great, record that they just can't argue with. So, I don't know. I think that's really going to change the game a lot. Plus you get you really know where you're at True. whereas the foreman might tell you, "Oh, we're like 25% from being finished." Well, you do the drone topo and compare it to the designer. Wow, we're like 50% finished, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that really helps you with scheduling, it helps you billing with billing exactly you know that's a backup that you can attach to your billing so
1: so things like that
2: and the technology's come a long way um, i will
1: tell you it's it the it, same situation it's unbelievable when you were saying the deer in the headlights thing to me that makes no sense is earthwork contractors have a very hard time justifying any kind of change order because they're to them it's just dirt they're like hey it's just the dirt like this doesn't cost that much to move around well it does has a lot of cost because i had to put it on a truck I had to take it to another job site had to pay to dump the stuff paid probably might have paid a dump fee depending on where i took it i had to pay the guy that loaded it i'd pay for the machine that put it in the truck i'd pay for the fuel i'd pay for the overhead that was running that job so to them they don't get that and an example for guys that aren't dirt contractors that might be listening to the show it'd be like being a utility contractor you put 300 linear foot of pipe in And they design, change it, and say, oh, we only need 150 feet. Doesn't matter that you've installed 300 feet. You are going to get paid to take that 150 foot out of the ground. I don't know a utility contractor that wouldn't get paid to do that. That, that, That's the same concept, though. I mean, it it really is. You just hauled 10,000 yards out of this job, and I'm in the fight right now, like you're talking about. They need dirt for the grade beams. I took the dirt off the job site that I was supposed to take off per plant. Now they're telling me that the rock, the engineer came out and looked at the job and they said, Hey, we can't use this material on the outside of the grade beam, but we can on the inside. Don't ask me why this guy said that, but that's what he said. So we're not, whatever, dude, we'll do what you want. So I sent to the GC an email today. He says, Hey, can you bring me a couple test samples from other jobs you got of dirt so I can make sure it's in the P, meets the PI. I said, no problem. So I sent him over, and I called the project manager for the job who's on vacation this week. So I'm dealing with the vice president of the company right now. So, you know, that's that's fun because that's the money guy. So he's going to fight you tooth and nail about everything. So I tell him, I'm like, hey, I need to get paid for 1,200 yards of dirt. And he's like, uh, well, you hauled it off. You know, you should be responsible to bring it back. No. You did a design change after I started the job. That's not my problem. You're going to pay me to bring this dirt back. So, of course, this was a 30 minute argument and emails that was unnecessary for everybody. It's still not resolved. So, tomorrow, when they don't have any dirt tomorrow, they'll figure it out that I'm not bluffing. So, <laughs> I, I, it's just unfortunate that you have to be this way. But I mean, this is what an example, guys, of when you're bidding jobs, you got to make sure you're dotting your eyes and crossing them T's, man. Because if you don't, this is the kind of stuff that you can run into. Oh, and don't be scared to stand your ground on it too. But I really like that
3: idea. But Going back to what you're saying, with those the estimates takeoffs and adding that in there, because that's how many times do I look at a set of prints or a job and I'm looking at it and I realize like, they missed this, they miss this, they're gonna have that, that's gonna be a problem, this could be that. They don't know that stuff, and I I do that a lot. I'll highlight that to people, I look, pick up the phone, call them, email them, hey, what about this? What do you do with this? What about this? Same thing. We just bid that job down south. Bunch of stuff missing, and then also I look at the job and I was like, well. We can do this differently. One, it's going to be way less headache for me, but two, it's going to save them a couple hundred thousand dollars in this project. And you open that dialogue up and it instantly just builds that trust with them. And that's that's the ultimate goal. And that's I find that's a harder thing to do in the commercial space versus the residential space. In the residential space, you're dealing with the homeowner. Right. Typically, you have having that easy dialogue where on the commercial side, you're dealing with maybe a whole estimating department or right. a PM or a superintendent and stuff. And it's hard to necessarily... Build that relationship or that trust, so to speak, when you are just submitting a bid, right? You know, and that's that's
2: definitely a big tip
3: that I am going to take out of that, and everybody really should. Yeah,
2: and I really would rather than highlighting it and just—I swear—I've done that. I've had it in red highlighted, flashing on the estimate. Since it's not a dollar amount, they'll ignore it. If it's got a dollar amount attached to it, they'll see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. because that's—I mean—in their defense, a lot of these GCs. They're probably getting ten bids on bid day. They're not reading. They're not looking at number letters. They're looking at numbers. Yeah. So if you can do it as an alternate, if you can, if if you can get away with that, that's that's the way I like to do it. And this might even be the better part about it. If they don't pick it up, and then six months down the road, your PM on the or if you're the PM or if you hand it off to a PM and he's calling you because the superintendent's yelling at him because. This isn't in the job or this is in your contract and you need to come do this. You can pull up that estimate and say, look, right here. I gave it to you as an alternate and you didn't pick it up. It's, it's a paper trail, which some of the best advice I got from an old crotchety estimator was (laughs) if it's not written down, it didn't happen. That conversation that you had with that GC that you're bidding to over the phone, it didn't happen. It's not binding. What's in the contract. Is Is what's binding. Exactly. And so you need to have it. You need to have an email train. You need to have, just like you were saying, cross your T's, dot your I's, make sure there is no gray area with your scope of work.
1: Make sure if you ever have to imagine this, this is what I tell my guys every time when they're typing an email to a client. I say, imagine a lawyer's reading it in front of a judge because you never know. It could be your best client. You don't know. At the end of the day, it's unfortunate nowadays, like we talked about before, 20 years ago, we didn't have to do any of this crap. Nowadays, you have to. It's unfortunate. It's just how people are. Something I want to add to what you were just stating, though, something that we do that I recommend everybody when they're starting out. If you are in a position where you have project managers, you have superintendents, you have foremans, but you're just in that starting phase of having those people in place, build field files for your jobs. I, to this day, we have tablets now. My guys run tablets. But to this day, me and Trevor will literally, the day before our ops meeting, We any jobs we got awarded that week, the contract's in there. We have a cut fill sheet. We have the scope. That's our scope sheet that we build. We have a copy of the geotech report in there. We have a copy of the contract. We have a copy of our proposal. We have a copy of all the contacts for the job. We have what trucking company we're going to use. We have everything in there. So when the guy tries to tell my guys, hey, it's in your contract, my guys don't have to call us and go, hey, can you look through our contract to make sure this isn't in our scope? No. They can go to their pickup, open their folder up, open to the page of the scope sheet, walk back to the GC and go, that's funny because it's not in here. That right there will save you so much. That 50 bucks you spend in paper and ink a month for doing that is going to save you so much money. You guys will not believe it. I mean, it's it's the truth, though. It's little things like that that'll help you succeed in this industry. Yeah, it's it's paper trail,
2: paperwork. Yeah. yeah, and then there's the efficiency factor, too. I mean, if if you're doing estimates, you don't want to be getting calls about an estimate you did six months ago that you can't even <laughs> remember. You know, hey, did you pick this up? Do you, What's our all, for?
1: do you guys put all y'alls on a server?
2: We do put everything on a server, and then I know we spoke about it before, but we yeah. use Procore, too, which... Yeah. Uh, which is really helpful.
1: I will tell you Procore is great for the plans like you were talking mm-hmm. about. I can say this as a guy that has to use it for billing, it is an absolute right. freaking nightmare I've trying to that. trying to get it to work because they have to invite you to bill. Right. So if the PM forgets to invite you, you might be the 22nd, 23rd of the month, they want their billing on the 25th, you still got to go over quantities with your guys. And you got to make sure you're covering everything, and they're calling you and they're like, "Oh uh well we'll send it, you the invite on 25th No dude, I need it today so I can start going over everything with the guys And then on top of it, you got to download it to send it to the accounting department so they can put it in their tracker so they're <laughs> <laughs> they have a you know an AIA form so they can actually see what the hell we're actually billing per line item so they can put it in the accounting software It's just a nightmare on that side on what you're talking about PM wise it's great.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't care for it as interfacing it with it as a sub with somebody yeah. else and I'm the sub. Yeah. But when it's your job yeah, and you're managing plans, especially plans, because it gives you a record. You put the plan sheet in there. It says, this is when the plan sheet date, this is when I received it. And then this is the revision number and you can keep everything organized that way on that, that big, uh, Project we were talking about with all those waterline changes before we came on, there were twenty three revisions on one plan, mm-hmm. twenty three revisions. <laughs> so, I mean, imagine trying to keep track of that even on a network.
1: I did a parking lot two years ago that had twenty seven changes. Yeah, for a car dealership, and we caught all but three because they switched to Procore mm-hmm. and they didn't send us the invite. So we get out there, and my guys are blue-topping for the last time, finally. And the guy's like, oh, these grades are wrong. And we're like, "Uh, the hell they are. We're going off the latest plans. He's like, oh, well, there's new ones. They're dated, da-da-da-da-da. So, of course, I had to go back and try and fight that fight. And they're like, well, they were sent to you. I says really, because I don't have an invite form And that's the only time I had a problem with Procore because – They did not come to us and I had to prove it and they finally, I did finally prove it, but I mean, it took, that was two weeks of having to fight with them to get it done, you know, to even get paid to do the work. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. Hmm. That was my only grip. Sorry.
3: Regardless of what you use though, it's, you need it. It's (laughs) okay. You can't document enough stuff.
1: Something I want to do that we're kind of talking, we're talking pretty technical right now and, you were talking about you wanting to help some guys, and we want to help some people. Can you help guys figure figuring hourly rates? We we brushed on it before, but could you possibly talk about hourly rates? How you guys calculate them, stuff like that. No, don't give away trade secrets here. Right, just, just think the basics here to help some guys.
2: Yeah, I mean it's there's no secret to it, really. I know you guys have talked about this. It seems like every other episode talking about hourly rates and <laughs> people ask and all the time. F- right, so, it's important though. Yeah, I mean, really to be honest, the big guys do it the same way, you know. that you guys have gone over, they just uh a lot of the rates even if on equipment that is owned, it's based on the rental rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you don't know what piece is going to that job. Exactly. You know, if if I go and bid a job with this a, a scraper crew that we own and that crew isn't available because the job gets delayed or whatever or they're going to a, a job where they're the better suits them or who knows. Well, then we're paying rental just like everybody else. Yep. You know, so we just established that rental rate like you guys have talked about before. We we don't put in the exact hourly rate that they've got. You kind of got to figure out how many productive hours you're going to get out of it. So, so, you're, so you're covered for downtime and. With scrapers, I mean, if you got four scrapers out there, one's always going to be broken down. Yeah, <laughs> so, we, we, always you know.
1: sh- we always bid like roughly 68 to 70% utilization rate, but right. we shoot to do 85 Right. And that's the key. If you can figure that out, which uh, me and Devin have a cheat sheet that we both have, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you guys would like, shoot me an email. It's ongrade88 at gmail.com. It's official. It's official. It's the official. And I might be nice and send you the Excel sheet. (laughs) This is also based off Texas. So there is no sales tax in there and all this other crap because we don't have to pay that. So it's just to help you get a ballpark idea, though, guys, of what stuff costs, how we figure it, and stuff like that. So if you guys want to shoot us an email, we'll be more than happy to send that over to you.
3: I guess we can dumb it down a little more because I know when I started, I was lost in that whole thing. So there's probably guys that too. So when we're talking about utilization, you look at your rental rates on your piece of equipment. If you're going to pay, you know, say it's $2,000 for 40 hours of use, you're not going to divide that over 40 hours because you're not going to get 40 hours of use on that piece in the time. You're going to go at the 70% or whatever number you pick, and you're going to basically be dividing that over 70% of 40 hours to get your rate, and then you're going to use that number when you're going. And it can be 70, 68, whatever you think it's going to be, but industry standards around 70 if I believe pretty well
1: you shoot to hit 85 but you don't ever bid 85 you bid 65 to 70 that's a good ballpark to do now you can tell a guy's brand new at it when he's bidding because he's bidding 100% utilization he's 25 grand cheaper than everybody else you're like dang dude what's your hourly rates like 105 an hour for a 470 excavator (laughs) That that's something that's really important to me. I think a lot of guys, because I've had guys reach out to us on Spotify and stuff, saying that they want to hear more about estimating because it is kind of hard to talk about on a podcast. But I mean, if we can just give the basics to them, you know what I mean? Like, hey, guys, you know, you're you're taking what that monthly rate is. Like Devin was saying, now got to remember on rentals, usually when you're paying for a month, they're basing that on a forty-hour work week at three weeks not four weeks they do it at three weeks so then you got to add that in too so you got to be 70 percent of the machine being charged for three weeks at 40 hours you're only allotted 120 hours with a rental a lot of people don't realize that so actually if you go yeah
3: check with your rental place because they're everyone different i've had 178 in a month 160 40
1: if you got that just know that you might pay a little more at the end of the job if you got to run it longer than that so just remember that that you know
3: we all work 40-hour work weeks anyway.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. We're all <laughs> amateurs around here. Yeah. This is union work.
3: Yeah, Clock out at 3 o'clock. Yeah. And go, go to the, the golf house. course. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Some of us make TikToks with Star Wars intros like I did today. But, you know. Hey. Did you see my Star Wars video I made?
3: No, I was doing this thing called work, and I didn't have time for that. I, I, I
1: actually worked. had a little downtime today, so I made one about becoming a foreman. It's pretty gangster. <laughs> it's like Darth Vader. The Darth Vader song. I'll send it to you later. It's pretty gangster. <laughs> Oh, by the way, it's on our TikTok if y'all want to check it out. So I'm just saying it's on our great TikTok. So what what are your
3: career goals or aspirations, I guess, at this point in the game? What's the usual progression of an
2: estimator, would you say? I mean, usually you can transition to project management. I have done that, and I usually end up sliding back over into estimating just because it fits my skill set a little better, I
1: think. so. I don't think you can be a really good project manager. This is my personal opinion on it. I've, I've worked for several excavation companies over the years. I personally believe you shouldn't be a PM unless you got field time and right. you've been an estimator. I really think you need to be out in the field as a foreman or a superintendent, right? then go in the office, become an estimator, and once you're there, you go be a PM. That's my personal opinion on it because you need to know what shit costs. You need to know what production is. You need to know what you can actually do out in the field because everything looks great on paper that right. you're actually out doing it. But the problem is nobody wants to pay what it actually costs to do the job like we just talked about earlier on the show. Right. Yeah, if we actually could charge what we were supposed to charge, you don't even want to know what a $300,000 job would really be and be close to a mill. I mean, it's just we <laughs> right. don't, dirt business. You don't charge enough. It's just unfortunate that they were. Let's talk about it. In the last 10 years, how much has bids gone up? Would you say I'd say maybe 15% tops?
2: Yeah. I mean, the last the last couple of years have been pretty. <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty steady now. But yeah. before that, before 20, dude, they didn't go up. But 10, no. 15% over 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. I knew guys, I, Robert, no bullshit guys. Robert comes into our ops meeting a couple weeks ago and we were talking about a change order and I told him what the amount was for the amount of work. And he just looked at me, he goes, we charged that in 1993. <laughs> and I went, are you kidding me? He goes, yeah, but that's, they're stuck in the nineties. They will not come up on the price at all.
3: I did uh, I did a job at a house actually for an old, older gentleman back in Canada before I came down. And uh, he was second, third generation large earth moving company, one of the biggest ones. At the time it was one of the biggest ones in Western Canada, like huge coal mining, like massive. And uh we got talking for hours about stuff. The guy was kind of a cool old guy. He used to collect he had steam locomotives and every piece of equipment since the beginning of time at his house that he'd been collecting and restoring and stuff. Really cool guy. A lot of knowledge. But we were talking and he was telling me that in eighty five they were charging more to move a cubic yard of dirt than they are today you know and obviously equipment and technology has improved and efficiencies and stuff but they were like 30 some percent in difference of price over what 30 some years and it's it's crazy but
2: what did diesel cost in 1985 two cents what a a
3: tractor cost in
1: 1985 that's wild i mean you could buy a d8 you could buy a d8 for 100 grand in the 80s you're paying (laughs) paying close to a million now for a d8 i mean it's crazy dude yeah like you know I know that we're we're kind of getting off topic with that, but it's still, it still it still matters. I mean, it's still part of the estimate. The problem we're good is is we're shooting ourselves in the foot, like we talked about on the last episode, where we're not all on the same page. And we, no matter what, ten of us could be on the same page. There's still going to be two guys that are right. I'm a low cut everybody. I'm gonna get all the work in town, and I'm, two years later, you're gonna hear about me going out of business because all my tractors are at Richie Brothers.
3: Or they're new and they don't know, <laughs> right? Yeah. And they're just charging wrong. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I kind of look at things and I, I look at, you know, technology, how it's coming, heavy bid, ag tech, GPS, the drone technology. Personally, I think it's going to get to a point where you're literally just going to have GCs that are going to do all that on their own and say, here, come to this job for this price. This is what it's going to be. Or they're going to do it themselves. And basically, it's just going to standardize the industry in a sense.
1: I personally, I don't know why, but I've been hearing this for the last few years. And it's a model that a lot of the home builders are doing now. They are going internal when they're building stuff now, like uh, Balfour Betty and stuff. They don't hire GCs anymore to build their shit. They they do it themselves because they're finding if I can cut that middleman out, I'm going to get better subs. I'm going to get the job done faster, and they pay you on time. And so there's more incentive, and they pay a little bit more. And I mean, public work you're always going to have you're always going to have the big excavation contractors and big highway guys doing that work because that stuff's got to get done and text dot subs use directly so i mean it it, or whatever state you're in but it it, those kind of jobs i think will always be like you're talking about just a second ago i think those will always be still done sub straight to the owner kind of jobs whereas i think a lot of this commercial work eventually i think these developers are going to get to the point where they're like this job's cost me eight million bucks but how much of it actually is cost and they're going to take the software like you're talking about and they're going to do the math on it and go, well, I'm paying this GC 400 grand to do dirt work. But the dirt contractors only charge me a quarter million. And then they might split it with you. They might say, "Hey, I'll give you 300 for the job. And they just save themselves $100,000. They're not dealing with a middleman anymore. I mean, I've seen it. I mean, there's a couple guys out there I've talked to that are developers that are like, "I'm I'm not using GCs anymore because... They don't pay people nine times out of 10 that cause more headaches than they do help. And they're making more money. These developers are making more money if they just cut the middleman. Honestly, that's all they are freaking middlemen. <laughs> middle
3: managers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm assuming it's the same. Da- so in Canada, they had like the Alberta road billers yeah. rates. So you had a rate book and basically this is what you're yeah. allowed to charge rate wise on public work projects and stuff. So you're really just bidding on time is what you're doing at that point because the rates are all standardized at that
2: point.
1: Yeah. So what's really cool about what, you know, you were just talking about standardizing stuff. So if you do any kind of tax work, they actually send you a thing for heavy job and heavy bid. And it actually sends you the quantities. Hmm. They've already done the takeoff. Now you'll do your own takeoff to verify all this stuff, but they'll have a takeoff done and it plugs automatically in your estimating software. All you do is adjust your rates. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's already done. Now, of course, everybody's going to verify that. But if you do any kind of residential work, like these guys are going and mass the bench lots and stuff, I've gotten those bids 100 times. They send you an Excel spreadsheet that already has 50 lots to bench. How many square foot of blue topping? How many yards of cut fill? How many yards of stockpile? How many tons of lime? How much linear foot of storm you're putting in? How much? It's already done. Of course, you verify it. And i am be honest with you, half the time they're wrong on the cubic yards. Now, I will say on the utility bids... They're pretty spot on in utility bids, right? But the the concrete utility, they're pretty spot on. The dirt's always off. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but the dirt is always off. It's off <laughs> substantially, right? It's not like you know a couple thousand yard. No, it's ten, fifteen, twenty thousand yards sometimes on these jobs. And then you call them, and they're like, "Oh, well, this guy said he's going to honor those those yardages." And I'm like, "Have fun."
2: <laughs> I I just chalk that up to engineers. I mean they don't draw they don't really draw those 3d models anymore no it's all auto generated it's my opinion they don't really look at those models a whole lot not like a grading contractor would mm. we're gonna look at the job and be like how are we gonna build this Does mm-hmm. this make sense does that slope make sense
1: they make water drain uphill now you didn't know that
2: right so <laughs> i just chalk that up to they don't even look at the model it just spits out a volume and they're Here, here's your bid quantity you know so yeah, but that's definitely a challenge.
1: Yeah, I think I I, uh, I actually had to call an engineer this week about a grading plan and because uh, I called the GC. I sent an RFI like you were just doing right before you came here. And uh, <laughs> nobody got back to me. So I was like, it's been a week. It's not that hard to answer a question. So I called the engineer, and uh, he picked up the phone, and I talked to him for a few minutes, and he goes, dude, I didn't even get this RFI yet from the GC. And I'm like, dude. They have a PM that's running this job, and that's, like, his whole job in life is to do this stuff. And he hadn't even called you. He said, no. He said, send me the plan. So I sent him the plan, and he looks at it, and he realized it was one of his apprentices that did the drawing and slipped it on his desk, and he put a stamp on it. He stamped it. The kid stamped this drawing. He didn't even look at this drawing. He didn't even know this drawing existed. So that's another thing. You know, because in Texas, I don't know how it is in other states, you have to work for an engineer after you get your civil engineering degree for a minimum of three years before you get your your license because you got to go test down in Austin to get your stamp. Sometimes these kids draw this shit up and the engineer goes, hey, if you're done with it, just come in here, get it stamped and send it in. So, I mean, you might have a kid that just got out of college drawing this stuff and no one's looking it over. That's the other thing that's happening. That's why a lot of these grading plans now, and you you were talking about it last week with the utility plans. A lot of them are jacked up right now because of that stuff.
3: You get one set of plans and it's, it's awesome. Everything's called out there. It's perfect. And you get another set of plans. It's like, what the hell is this, right? Right. Yeah. But it happens. And that's the thing. That's where it comes down to. You have to really pay attention to everything, read every note go through everything and and really
2: go through it all but how did you end up in texas so i was born and raised in new mexico so it was my wife Uh, we got a couple young kids six-year-old and eight-year-old we just kind of wanted more opportunities for them you know a lot of people that grow up grow up in new mexico they just stay there it's hard to get out so we kind of wanted to give our kids the opportunity to get out if they wanted to Obviously, they can go back if they want to. Still got a lot of family there. So it was just really about giving the kids a better opportunity. You know, a big, big area like DFW, big, big Metroplex. Anything they want to do, they can do. Yeah. any Anything they want to pursue, they can pursue it. Any career, you know. That's so awesome. it was really about that, just setting them up for success in the future. And, you know, I wanted to kind of branch out and, and try some different things. So, yeah, that was, that was really what drove that. How did,
3: how did you like the transition from
2: office to working remotely? Like how do, how was that? Well, today it wasn't great because my kids started piano and uh, <laughs> earlier this week, I'm not going to buy them a real piano. Not until they like have proven that they're going to practice and, you know, be dedicated. So I got this piano from a lady on f- Facebook marketplace. <laughs> it, was, <Yes. laughs> it was a $30 little kid's piano and she'd obviously had it sitting in the front yard so the speakers sound awful. The kids start <laughs> plinking on this thing today. I'm like, this was a mistake. Headset. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So working from home, it's it's great. You know, I've got young kids. They're homeschooled. They're only this little for so long. So yeah. I'm not going to do it forever. But for this time period, you know. That's cool. That's, it's it's working out pretty well. Do you miss the
3: office? Like, do you miss the... Going into work kind of thing? Oh, I,
2: I definitely, I do miss the camaraderie. Social you know, aspect, and, yeah. Yeah, and you know, there are challenges working remotely. You know, I I can't just go do a site visit on a job that I'm involved in. I got to wait till I do my monthly visit to the main office to do that. But there's give and take,
1: yeah, for sure. So do you go out there for a few days when you do go out, or how do you do it?
2: Yeah, I go out once a month for three days. Nice. Do site visits, do meetings, all that good stuff. That's pretty cool, man yeah it's a good setup
1: my buddy owns an excavation company here and his estimator is actually up in colorado and he does that he'll come down here like for three or four days during the month and he does it like that it's pretty cool just
3: opened up all kinds of doors for opportunity like that
1: it's funny how much has actually gone away and people
3: have working remotely since then and i don't know i don't know if i could do it i'd probably go nuts but uh i think it's there's there's definitely benefits to it though that's and like you were saying having kids at home, being able to be around and stuff, that's that's definitely a huge part of it. Right. Where you don't get that when you're commuting to work every day and long days in the office. Right, right. You can take a 20-minute break and uh, go hang out with the kids and get back to what you're doing. It's not a big deal.
1: Right, right. I did like one of your questions you wanted, uh, you wanted to ask us. I'm going to read it to you. The one that you said, how do you choose the correct equipment for grading projects? That's something we'd never actually have talked about before.
2: Yeah, so just to preface that, you know, I've been estimating for nine, almost 10 years, and I almost never have the equipment right when I go and do the review with the president of the company. <laughs> really? I, I have tried to get in his headspace, and normally, like, I know it's a scraper job, right. or I know it's a, a loader job, or, you know, even if it's material where we got to use an excavator and, and trucks, or that kind of thing. I can see that, but I never get the number of scrapers right. I never know how many blades is he gonna want in there. Like, what dozer does he want to finish the slopes? What that kind of thing. So,
1: so on this one, I can kind of answer it to a point because I'm not nearly the scale you are. But so I'm running right now. I've got five rentals and I've got twelve of my own machines. So I'm running like roughly about seventeen machines right now. So I have four dozers right now, four excavators. I think we got two off roads on rent. We got two water trucks on rent two rollers so what we do is normally if we're on a big job the way i do it is i'll go okay if we're moving we got cut fills say we got 90 60 90 yards of dirt if we can't get scrapers because right now they're hard as hell to find we'll convert it to we're gonna run trucks and we're gonna run one big ass hole. so we'll put four trucks i try to do four trucks to an excavator so if you're bidding if you're trying to get eight to ten mm, what do you try to shoot for on your production normally when you do with the trucks? What do you do normally?
2: I'll be honest, we don't we don't bid trucks a whole lot. Yeah. It's just the material down there or yeah. it's sandy. Yeah, so. you just
1: yeah, pan it all day, man. Yeah. See out here yeah. you gotta have a paddle wheel and then you can run pans, but right. you gotta have a paddle wheel to start the cut. So that's the problem. So uh, you go out west towards Decatur and stuff, you can get away with just running pans. But the way I do it is I'll normally go, Okay, I'm gonna have four truck four forty five ton trucks on one excavator so i'll bid like my 350 or my 360 Komatsu, and that bucket's four and a half yard bucket so i figure i figure loading time one minute a truck so i think we figure depending on how far we got to go if it's under 200 yards i think we figure like five to six thousand a day roughly if it's a little over that, we just drop it by each distance we got to go. If it's close, shit, we bump it, man. We'll go to like 8,000. If it's 50, 60 yards, they're just going right across the street or something like that. Yeah, dude, we'll blow through it, you know. Another thing, too, with moisture conditioning, which nobody knows how to bend moisture conditioning correctly. <laughs> I don't know anybody that does. I've heard so many different people tell me, like, man, 1,200 yards. Well, you know, you're at $5 a yard. Nobody wants to pay that for moisture conditioning. Oh, you should be at 1,800. You find a crew that can do 1,800 yards with one excavator and a dozer and do 1,800 yards of moisture in a day, yeah, I'll buy you a beer because there ain't many guys that can do it. You better have an eight out there with a 349. That's about the only way you're going to do it with nonstop water. I mean, and the lab guy is, like, right there, and he's standing there going in the trench every five minutes checking it because that never happens. You know as well as I do when you're when you're testing lifts – it's 30 minutes every time he's going to walk his happy ass on down there, take his mm-hmm. sweet old time. He's going to sit there, pull his pants up, <sighs> beat the hammer. Oh, looks good. I'll put a little more water on it. Okay. <laughs> put a little more water on it is good. There's so many variables in estimating in dirt. In pipe, it's not easier, but you know, okay, if I'm in this type of material, I can get through it. I can do... 700 on your foot a day of poly if i'm doing storm whatever it is whatever size you're using i I don't know pipe like you do but i'm just saying like it's just examples like y'all's is a little easier to kind of judge whereas us you got so many fucking variables you got to deal with the lab you got to deal with you know you got to deal with is the haul road going to be smooth so the trucks can haul ass is the gc going to bitch because my guys are driving too fast out there like it's just so many variables and dirt estimating and that's why I tell everybody in dirt work, it's not precision. It's estimating because you're never going to get it completely right.
2: Right.
3: Yeah. I don't know. For me, I just, I build production rates. So like I look at it, okay, what's the depth of the cut? What are we digging in? If I run this machine, I'm going to get this many feet a day, this machine, this many feet a day, this machine, you know, and then I just have time. We've gone out to the field and okay, how long is it going to take the three guys to bolt this up? Sit there and time it. It's 35 minutes to do a bolt up on this. Okay time three, four, five of them. Okay. Here's your time. It's going to take us 35 minutes every time we're going to do this or 40 minutes. You know, so I just have like a whole quantity sheet. I just have it in Excel is how I do it all, but I just have an Excel and I know, okay, if we're doing this size bolt up, you know, with three guys or two guys, it's going to take X amount of time and the time and time and time. And that's how I'm plugging it in. So when I'm bidding, I'm just taking my quantities and I, okay, I got a hundred mega going in. Well, 35 times a hundred, there you go. There's your time on that, you know, and same thing in my production rate on your pipe, you just plug it in that way is how I do it. But I've literally gone to the field and timed it, sat there and time it. And you just average it out and over time. And that's what programs like heavy bit do, right? When you're tracking the time of takes to do it, the more times you do it and the more times you track it, the more accurate your average becomes. And then you're averaging out over the year and you're going to have jobs that you're going to go into and it's going to take you 37 minutes instead of 35, or it's going to take you, you're going to get an extra 50 feet a day or 20 feet a day or whatever. But over the whole goal is to track it as long as you can to make it more accurate. And then the more data you have to track it, the more accurate you can get on your time to bid it. You're never going to be spot on, but right. you're going to average out over the year.
1: The problem you have on these big mass X jobs, though, with the cut fill, if you don't have trucking involved in it, like you're not bringing import or export of dirt, you're not making shit. I mean you can't charge shit to move it and so it's like it's speed when you're at that point. If you gotta move a hundred thousand yards and it's all just, you know, it's a balanced sight, it's going from left side to right side pretty much. He can tell you you gotta everybody's gotta be in seventh gear and yep. you, you gotta have a heaping buckets all day, every day, because that's the only way you're gonna make any money. Yep. Because the fuel, the overhead, the machines, like everything, it's just so much money and there's no actual material like right. you guys have, where you guys have the pipe, you can mark it up a little bit. When you're doing it, yeah, you got a 10 to 20% markup on the cut fill, but he can tell you if you're not hitting your production numbers, dude, you're losing your ass quick, You and yep. you can get your ass in a hamstring real quick. Whereas pipe, if you didn't do as many feet that day as you needed to that day, oh, you can get out there with them in the trench and speed it up a little bit and make up that 50 feet the next day and cut fill. If you're falling back – couple thousand yards it's real hard to make up that couple thousand yards in a day the bucket's not going to get bigger Yeah, the machine only uh, moves so fast yeah right it's just it's super hard so that's why you have to be on johnny on the spot with your machines and like you were talking about when i worked at the company i used to work for that i was telling you about those guys used to come out and time us we'd load a truck they'd be sitting there with a stopwatch and they'd go okay if it's this crew, we can bid it this fast. If we bid with this crew, it's this fast. And they would purposely bid it by crew. So if this job got awarded, mm-hmm. they would have to put that crew on that job or they'd lose money. So they would, like, come hell or high water, that crew is going to that job. And, I mean, it would piss everybody off in operations. They are like, well, we, we can't get that crew freed up. Well, you better get them freed up because they got to go to that job. Yep. And that's just how it was. Like, dude, I'm not making this up. There was 10 crews and there was 10 different bids based on each crew and that group of guys stayed together the whole job and it just that's how it was man we they they had their phds in this shit yep i mean and that's how you got to get but that's a company that does 500 million dollars a year in excavation work right you know on top of they do utilities and paving just like y'all too but just their dirt side does 500 million dollars a year right so and that was in 2014 so i don't know what they're doing now probably double that i mean it's insane but that's how they started out. They started out like Devin's talking about stopwatches, figuring out how many loads am I getting a day per truck? How many yards am I moving a day? It's little things like that, guys. It's going to be trial and error when you're starting out on these jobs. And you got to think, guys, you're not going to go out and do a 100,000 cubic yard cut fill job your first job. You're not going to. You're going to go do a Dairy Queen or a Starbucks. <laughs> that's a little thousand square foot building pad. You know, you can screw that job up. You might lose a couple grand. It's not going to be that bad but if you're out there and you're wanting to go straight from out the gate doing 100 200 thousand cubic yard jobs we're going to read about you in the newspaper <laughs> just letting you know i'm not trying to be a jerk but we're going to re- you got to you got to phase it as you go and this is the thing and you know us three know this you can sign up for all these estimating programs like to get bids And they'll just send you jobs of any size. I get bid requests to do stuff that I am nowhere capable of handling. Eight phases, two million square foot building pads. I'm like, bro, why are you even sending this to me? You know, I'm not even going to bid it. I I can't even touch the overhead on this, you know, because the company that's going to bid against me has 500 employees. They can cut their prices down and still make money on the job. I can't. I have to rent everything. So you got to scale yourself to it. Do you have time tracking software and stuff for everything corresponds
3: together? Or how do you typically run that?
2: I think we use a, it's an app called Busy Busy. Yeah, and we've just got standard cost codes that the guys use. You know, the utilities boy, the utility boys have like twenty cost codes. Whether it's water, sewer, storm, the earthwork guys have five or six. You know, clear and grub, cut yep. the fill, import, condition? export moisture conditioning. So we try to keep it real simple there. And they've just got it. I mentioned that the company I work for, they try to stay on the cutting edge of technology as much as they can. So they've got everything. They do everything mobile. Everything's on the phone. All the foremen have tablets with Procore on there. Mm -hmm. So we get a new plan set. We upload it immediately and we uh, text them all. Hey, next time you've got Wi-Fi, refresh. So you got the newest set. So
1: We just put all our guys on tablets like three months ago. Yeah. It's so nice. I mean, best. I still send them out with I still send them out with uh, paper plans and stuff. But you know, if they're yeah. in their truck and they don't want to open the big setup, right. they can just pull their tablet out and zoom in on whatever it is we got to talk about. And they, every one of them have Bluebeam now, so they can mark up the right. plans and yep. show where everything's at on the job.
3: Bluebeam's only on iPads and tablets, isn't it?
1: No, you can get Bluebeam on your laptop. Man, mm-hmm. you can Any, download it. I thought I was trying to get that the other day, and I couldn't get it. I'll uh, send you the link. Got I you. thought it. I'm. I don't know. Maybe I, was I got wrong. you. Boo.
3: Is that on Mac though? Maybe that's why
1: you don't have a Windows computer, do you? No, no I run MacBook. Oh Jesus Christ! Oh yeah, Windows. <laughs> Fucking Celsius. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Again, it's... Jesus drives a Ford Mac. God. Listen, I went through.
3: <laughs> I I always procrastinated. Everyone told me, "I'll buy a MacBook, buy a MacBook." And you I remember the first time it. I went in, I look at it and it's like twenty two hundred dollars for a MacBook. I'm like. I'll buy the $800 HP. Well, after I bought three of those in three years, like I think I'll just cave and buy the MacBook. Right. I got
1: Dells, dude. We run Dells at the office. I got to tell you, I I used to make fun of them because when we had them in the military, they were shit. But, like, dude, the ones we got, they're fucking badass, dude. Like, $800 laptop, dude. I'm running ag tech on that thing. I can do anything I want on that thing. It has nothing but power. And they're not bad. They're not, the price is pretty good, too. You got, what do you guys run Dells?
2: I think we do primarily Dell's, Dell and HP. I've got yeah. I ended up with a Lenovo laptop. That's a monster. It's oh, small, yeah. it's a it's a ThinkPad, it's got a touchscreen, yeah. solid state drive. The thing boots up in like 2 seconds. Yeah, you got
1: you got to have a mo- monster computer on yeah. those estimating softwares.
2: Yeah, and if you're going to do the drone stuff, yeah. We actually had to end up getting our drone guy a separate it's like a gaming pc this thing Mm -hmm. has got like all the latest stuff and he'll put those drone models in there and all that machine does is process he's got a separate machine for doing takeoffs we
1: literally have a computer it all it does is print plans yeah because it's just it it takes up so much memory and ram to you run those plotters right so we just we have one like old laptop that we just you want to print plans for a job you just go over there click the job print it boom.
3: Look at this. A
2: couple dumb dirt guys talking about computers,
1: (laughs) Who would have thought?
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
2: going back to the Procore and the plans thing, I mean, within a company, everybody's on the same team, but we've always all had the excuse of, I don't have the latest plans. Yeah. Well, in the Procore thing, yeah, you do. Just update your your tablet. You got them right there. Yeah.
3: I don't know. It's, I think in this day and age, we all have to just embrace technology right like, there's no way around it anymore and i mean i'm old school when it comes to doing stuff and i like mm-hmm. i like technology but i also still like the old school stuff i still carry around a notebook i have a little black book take notes I think everybody still does that though. yeah i just uh, if i have the option and my secretary's always after me she's like oh like i put it in your calendar i'm like my calendar is you calling me Right, because <laughs> I get the notification on my phone and I'm on the phone or I'm doing something and I ignore it. And then I forget about it. And then 25 minutes later, I'm supposed to be somewhere and I forget about it. So it's, just, uh, I'm
1: just going to call you at six o'clock every time. No, one. I, I told you, I got your brother. I told you,
3: yeah, or you can uh, just text Caroline and she'll
1: call me and I don't yeah. have her number. She so have to send that one yeah, to yeah. me.
3: She'll put it on my calendar and basically she
1: <laughs> I'll have my people it your people. The, the first
3: couple of weeks, she's like, I put it on your calendar. I'm like, you're not understanding this. It's like, my calendar is your calendar, and when the notification pops up on your phone, that's your cue to call me and tell me because right. I'm going to forget. <laughs> <it>.
1: <laughs> I got to admit, uh, Steph kind of keeps me in line, and my old lady, she'll, she'll remind me when we have things to do. Like, I forgot we got a baby shower to go to this weekend. So she reminded me. Thank God. There you go. Um, anyways, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on the show, Ryan. Thanks for having me. You got anything else you'd like to say, Ben, before we get off here?
2: Thanks for having me. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing. I can't imagine what it's like to start your own construction company. Like today, I was I'm working on a, a substation. So, and it's been to like seven. GCs and these guys are all sending me huge files, specifications, and their subcontract agreements and all this stuff. And it's like, can't believe somebody trusts me to do this. Not that I'm not trustworthy, but just like (laughs) the trust it takes to put in other people to do this work for you. And, you know, it's just it's amazing and it takes courage and I think it's a lot of stupidity,
3: uh, to be honest. You really have to be a little bit crazy, I think, is, is really what it is. There's a certain mix of just stupid crazy
1: and uh ambitious to make it all work you gotta be a hell of a gambler honestly yeah it's a gamble everything you do in business is gamble and you just gotta have grit you know i say that one all the time but it's true i mean you gotta have the grit you gotta have balls and excuse me ladies that are listening no offense but you, you do you you just you just gotta go with it you gotta trust your gut you gotta trust your guys and if you have faith in your guys and you give them all the trust and help in the world and show them that you're going to take care of them. Nine times out of ten, they're going to take care of you. That's how it's supposed to work. But And just remember,
3: when all else fails, more brute force and ignorance usually gets it done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just wanted to give a shout-out to the uh, Certified Wrench podcast. I was on there last weekend. Colton had a really good time. He's going to try and get you on, by the way. So oh, Okay. Yeah, you're going to have to drive out to Springtown and go see him, but...
3: Yeah, tell them to call my secretary and... Uh,
1: yeah, I, I'll, I'll get that set up for you. I wanted to also give a shout-out to Sweat & Grime. I was just on their podcast, actually, before we recorded this one. Uh, absolute blast those guys. They're going to be coming to Texas soon, so we're going to actually have them here on the show with us. Nice. Those dudes are solid. And give a shout-out to Divini over there, at uh, those guys. And He's coming down, I think, in August. He's going to come on the show, and he's going to talk to us about the paving business. So we can learn a little bit about the paving industry.
3: I would not want to do paving down here. No.
1: Yeah. He's, that is
3: like roofing, paving, and concrete.
1: Like, yeah. That is like. Yeah. James DeVinion. Guys, if you haven't listened to his show yet, make sure you check it out. Sweat and Grime. I wanted to say we broke a record, by the way, for this show. Really? We had a thousand downloads in seven days. Me? for one episode wow is your pretty face nice. that's fucking awesome we're gonna do awesome.
3: 2000 now you look like yeah. a pedophile with your uh yeah i know beard gun. I got,
1: thanks <laughs> i don't know if i'm putting this one on youtube uh oh, start be- calling you pedro yeah my pe- my beard will be back hopefully about two weeks so hopefully next episode will be back <laughs> by the way guys our next episode is going to be in two weeks um we're going back to shooting out every two weeks so just bear with us it's hard as hell already i'm <laughs> having to do two a month so We'd love to do more, but it's it's hard, run, both of us running our own businesses and all that. So uh, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for listening and all the support. And Ryan, is there any way people can get a hold of you if they want to for any kind of estimating questions and stuff? Do you have anything you want to you got it, social media to spread or anything? I don't know.
3: Is his, his inbox is going to blow up on this one. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> we got
1: a lot of listeners.
2: I don't, I don't really have anything to plug. I just appreciate you guys having me on. I, I guess if you're doing a project in Albuquerque... Reach yeah. out to Franklin's Earth Movie. They're yeah, the nice. best.
1: For sure. We'll and, take care uh, of you. We are definitely going to have you back on. There's right. a lot of guys that want to talk about estimating, and we're getting ready to start doing like roundtables and stuff. Me and Devin, we're working on that. We just haven't had a chance to do it yet. But we're probably going to do like a little roundtable, do it on Zoom, and you could be maybe the guy that shows it, shows how <laughs> estimating works and stuff Sounds like that.
3: Sounds great. Yeah, so, definitely. That's cool. Yeah. You got anything else, brother? No, that's about it. Like, uh, share, subscribe.
1: Yeah. Shout us out. If you give us our five stars on Spotify, give us some love on the uh, Apple Podcasts. I don't care if it's my breath stinks and Devin needs to buy a Windows computer. Also, <laughs> if you guys could check out our merch shop, it's in the link tree. Also, if you want to be on the show.
3: You got your OnlyFans in there too?
1: Yeah, my OnlyFans is on there. Oh, I got yeah. a little bit of leg action on there
3: and, <laughs> and my molestage.
1: You can see me clean shaven with just the, the goatee in the uh, stash. Also, guys, if you want, our link tree is in all of our accounts. We are trying to grow our Instagram page. Everything else is growing, but our Instagram page is not for some reason. So we're going to do a 500-person giveaway. So whoever the 500-person is, I'm going to be sending you a hat and a personalized letter from me and Devin. So if you guys could help get the Instagram page up, that would be truly appreciated. All right, guys, stay classy, and we'll see you all next time.
0: You've been listening to the On Grade Podcast. If you're wanting to get into the business, grow your business, or learn more about the trades of construction, this is your hub. Brandon and Devin both own excavation companies in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and on each show, you'll hear from the business owners and leaders that make the industry tick. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at on underscore grade TX. On Facebook at on grade podcast. On YouTube at on grade 5384. And find the show on Spotify and Apple. See you next time on the on grade podcast.